Wolfing Down Food Science. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Food Science by the Fireside. We are here, uh, very excited to be enjoying some wonderful eggnog by the Fireside. And uh, thanks to the fact that Howling Cow is now producing it. It's that time of year. So this has been in my seasonal peripheral for a long time, but I've never gotten a chance to try it. It's, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I think now that I'm of age, I got to do it right because I, I heard you, you add alcohol and I think that'll make the experience all the difference. But like, I'm wondering what even is nog and is, <laughs> and what is eggnog? Because I've never really dove into it. Well, it's it's quite obvious, Teresa, as all Star Trek nerds know, nog was the first Ferengi who was elected to Starfleet. Oh my gosh, how did that just go over my head? I it's pretty totally obvious. missed it. Pretty obvious. So anyway, there you go. So that's that's what Nog is. Although I don't know if we have any recorded history of him consuming eggnog. So I see. Okay. Well leave <laughs> the editors to that. Yeah. I don't know that that happened. No, no cultural crossover. Yes. Well, for all those non-Star Trek fans, whoever you may be, uh, Nog has generally made reference to some type of liquor or perhaps the container into which you put that liquor. So so I think we all know what an egg is. The Nog is typically that uh, that alcohol containing component, even though eggnog as according to modern standards, really doesn't have to contain alcohol. The nog part is really a reference to uh, to that alcohol component. So it goes to your noggin. (laughs) Something like that. Yes. (laughs) There's the link we've been missing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But it was also the cup that you served alcohol in. That was called, was that called a noggin? I think called a noggin. Called a noggin. Yeah. Yeah. Really, well, like a really cool yeah. kind of container that that was wooden that you served alcoholic beverages in, and they were called noggins. So, so now, wait. Multiple references. So does "don't bump your noggin" refer to like not spilling <laughs> your drink? Oh, <laughs> definitely during the holidays. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Now it's all coming together. Star Trek. <laughs> And spilling drinks and everything else. It's all coming together. That's right. That's right. So eggnog is basically, though, almost like an ice cream custard. Yeah. Or a meringue pie without the crust. Right. So you've got <laughs> you've got a really rich concoction of cream and milk. Typically, the egg yolks are in that mixture, and then sugar. And so that's all whisked together. And then, um, of course, if you're making an alcoholic version, you put your alcohol in there, too. And then oftentimes the the whites will be separated and whipped to a meringue 
right? Whip, whip to a foam and then add it in. And so you take this super dense, rich, fatty liquid and you try to lighten it by putting air in it with the egg yolks or the, um, the egg whites. Both of those can do that. So, um, so yeah, I think the alcohol is there to just balance out that incredibly rich, sweet, fat concoction. <laughs> now, we can't really do our due diligence as food scientists without talking about what we were referring to as the safe and the not-so-safe recipes before we started recording the episode. So, so Paige, you brought that up, so take it away. <laughs> what What is the safe version of this, do you think, and what's the not-safe version of this? Well, of course, the the safety issue is consuming raw eggs, right? So you could have definite, definitely have the possibility of um, salmonella contamination there. Um, that would be the, the primary concern. So if you were to heat up your custard, which is not uncommon with ice cream mixes as well, so you would put both the eggs, yolks, and the whites with the milk-containing components and heat those up um, to a temperature that kills the salmonella but doesn't uh, curdle all the, the egg proteins. So you don't want scrambled eggs in your eggnog. <laughs> That's generally not, not pleasant. Scrambled um, eggnog. You have to chew your eggnog. That's not good. Scramble um, <laughs> your eggnogging. <laughs> That's right. It's not, not what you want. But you do also not want to have um, salmonella there. So you can heat those up. The, the version where you separate the two and let's say you would heat up the egg yolks, the egg whites, if you were making a meringue, still wouldn't be heated. And so that would be unsafe. Um, but I think you could probably use pasteurized whole eggs. Um, ah, there you happen. go. Um, and they, they do make pasteurized in-shell eggs, so you could separate the yolk and the white and still have the components um, to make a meringue to lighten up that that uh, very rich concoction. So there are definite possibilities. Well, as I recall, NC State did have something to do with uh, pasteurization of liquid eggs. So, so there we go. Um, yeah. I think that patent is, is, that is, was out of NC state. Yep. There we go. Shout so out to I Dr. Kenneth Forsell. If you want to make Christmas cookies, I can use pasteurized eggs and eat the raw cookie dough. So the flour is still a concern. Yes. Oh, yeah. Da, da, da. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's an yeah. element of risk still there. <laughs> yes. What we've learned recently, which has not made us super happy, is that uh, salmonella and other pathogens can survive in, in dry conditions for quite long periods of time. And flour is one of those dry ingredients in which things like salmonella could survive. So it's kind of unfortunate, but that's, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how it is. Um, but getting back to the eggnog discussion, there's an interesting component in the recipe for, uh, the version that's produced in Mexico, which is called rompope. And, uh, I think the ROM part is probably referring to rum as the alcoholic component. But what was really Interesting to me is as they were making this custard, kind of mixing the the milk and the egg yolks and other components together, they added sodium bicarbonate or baking soda. So it's a pinch. Yeah, just a pinch. <laughs> uh, a pizca. 
is <laughs> a pinch in Spanish. So so just a pinch. And it, it seemed that uh, that that was a n- nice way to stabilize this. So you didn't get those scrambled eggs or worse, scrambled eggnog um, type beverages. So looks like there are various ways of stabilizing that milk and cream kind of mixture so you don't actually get curdling. Yeah, we've, we've talked about colloids before in colloidal systems where you have particulates dispersed in a, a liquid or air droplets or air bubbles dispersed in a liquid or oil droplets dispersed in a liquid. All of those are, are colloidal systems. So this falls into that category of when you make a colloidal system, you got to make sure it's stable and it's not going to separate or curdle or do something that's undesirable. <laughs> do you think the eggs are serving as an emulsifier to help all of those uh, curdles stay mixed throughout the whole system? Ding, sure. ding. Yeah. Thank you. That's 201. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can't see this because it's a podcast, but uh, Teresa was doing a fist pump just uh, <laughs> demonstrating her her food science knowledge that uh, egg yolks are, in fact, uh, nice Excellent. emulsifiers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. <Good job. laughs> and there's just a little bit of fat in eggnog. So just a little bit. Just a tiny little bit. Just so, a little bit. Yeah, I was looking at the nutritional breakdown, and it is crazy. There's quite a bit of fat. There's actually quite a bit of protein. And, of course, we've got the carbohydrate with the sugars that are present. So um, you could make a meal out of eggnog. <laughs> Probably yes. not recommended, but. <laughs> yes, indeed. And and also, um, as was mentioned previously, it, it does reflect very much an ice cream recipe. So I've taken commercial eggnog and poured it straight into an ice cream maker it makes wonderful Mm -hmm. ice cream so um so yes eggnog is good as a beverage hot or cold um with or without the uh nog component and uh and let's clarify it's it can be any kind of alcohol that's right non-discriminatory and you can mix and match doesn't matter (laughs) <laughs> anything goes <laughs> very true yeah i think george washington's recipe included uh was it rye whiskey sherry um and rum i believe so they they mixed a variety of things that, and it did appear you know in some recipes it seems that you know you might use fortified wines and some recipes you might use various types of liquors so yeah it seems like pretty much Anything that you, uh, anything that you had. Brandy, whiskey, rum, and sherry. Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. I'm amazed of George Washington. He's such a founding father. We talked last episode of how he has his own gingerbread recipe, (laughs) and he has also an eggnog recipe. So. Here we go. He's establishing our culture. Well, I think the the end of the recipe that at least the one that we that we saw was was the most interesting part. So it, it talked about uh, traditional eggnog kind of custard recipe, this mix of alcohols. And the very last part said taste frequently. So okay. let's looked, sit, sit in a cool place for several days and taste frequently. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering if that. 
eggnog ever actually made it to the uh, to the holiday table <laughs> or was um, just tasted frequently out of existence. Here's to the cook's batch and then everybody else's batch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's switch gears to talking about not homemade, but commercial eggnog. How is eggnog made on a large scale? And I think for us, of course, the standard is howling cow. Howling oh. cow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. It's really, you know, I've tasted other eggnogs commercially, and, you know, if you're not in Raleigh and you can't get it, then I'm so sad for you, but it really is the best one. (laughs) (laughs) It's delicious. Even if you don't want to just drink it straight as eggnog, it makes amazing coffee creamer. I think, Keith, you've been doing that for a while, too. That is is how I take my coffee. Certainly over Christmas time is is always with uh, with with eggnog and it's always with Howling Cal eggnog. Yep, absolutely. Deliciousness. Can we get it from the C store or on campus? Mm -hmm. Anywhere outside of that? I think it's they're selling it at the creamery off of Lake Wheeler Road. So and they also have this year new the eggnog ice cream. So they finally everybody has been saying you should make ice cream out of this. And they finally done it. Yes. Yeah. That's exciting. Nice afternoon treat. Go over to the creamery and get some eggnog ice cream and then pick up a quart of eggnog as well. (laughs) There we go. So it's interesting just looking at the the label when you kind of compare the homemade recipe to the commercial recipe. um, You're going to start seeing some of those uh, colloids that we talked about in previous uh, previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like carrageenan and, uh, and guar gum. So what are they doing in eggnog? What are those ingredients doing in eggnog? What are those ingredients? <laughs> well, Keith, you mentioned that they're, um, colloids or hydrocolloids. And so it's just a really large molecule that holds on to water, right? Okay. So in essence, they're thickening everything and increasing that stability that we talked about earlier. So that that's definitely, instead of having all of the whipped egg whites, which act to thicken things as well, um, they are using these uh, hydrocolloids to, to increase that viscosity of the solution. And in answer to your question, Teresa, uh, the, the origin of carrageenan is seaweed. So there is there's a county in Ireland, County Carrageen. And uh, so you can harvest this type of seaweed off the coast and uh, and it it's able to stabilize and hold up particles, essentially. So things don't uh, don't settle down to the bottom uh, quite as easily. And guar gum is a plant extract. So um, essentially you have these extracts of algae and of, of plants that uh, help stabilize the, the eggnog. Yeah. And then they also throw in some, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know where the frog is coming from. Um, <laughs> they also throw in some emulsifiers in there with monoglycerides. So instead of having all of the emulsification coming from the eggs, they are using a commercial ingredient monoglycerides. Yeah, and I guess that should get us to um, this idea of standard of identity. I'm not sure if we've talked about this on the podcast before, 
but there are certain foods that have very specific definitions. So you have to have certain things in them. And in the case of eggnog, it's one of those foods that has a definition. And uh, mm-hmm. one of those definitions is 1% egg yolk. Right. Uh, so, yeah, 1% egg yolk solid. So, so I think kind of balancing, uh, balancing the amount of egg yolk with, um, with this other emulsifier, mono and diglycerides, is what keeps everything together um, yeah. and makes makes it uh, uh, a smooth kind of a, a mixture. So I, su- I suppose if we compare that to the homemade recipes, it's just the abundance of eggs, uh, excuse me, egg yolks. That's right. Um, well, and if you think about that. it, your eggnog that you make at home, especially if you follow George Washington's recipe, is not going to be on the shelf for a month, right? Exactly. Or, three weeks or whatever the shelf life is. So it's just a couple of days, if that, that you really need it to be stable. But if you're making a commercial product, it has to last a bit longer without changing. So it, it needs to have a greater degree of stability. Yes. Thus the addition of stabilizers. So, right. so the idea of guar gum, carrageenan, and certainly mono and diglycerides all stabilizing this mix. So when you pour it out, it's wonderfully, beautifully smooth and, uh, in my case, works so well in, in coffee. <laughs> yeah, delicious. All right. So, Teresa, when are you going to try eggnog? Um, Teresa's I'm never running. tried eggnog before. On, yes. On Friday? I'm running. I guess today. Yeah, today is Friday. Um, <laughs> Friday. Oh my gosh. I'm, I gotta just make the time to get on campus and um, get me some. Yeah. And I think I'm gonna. What? So what alcohol do you guys like to put inside? Coffee. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Remember I said it's Friday. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, unless it's the Mexican version, which is that rompope and has rum in it, I I typically drink my eggnog with coffee. That's okay. just how I like to drink it. So that's gonna be fun. Yeah, for that's me to try too. That's my yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. So we need to hear a report, Teresa. So when you when you actually do try this, however however you do try it, um, we need to hear a report and see what your first experience with eggnog is. I'd love to. Well, we hope you've appreciated this uh, this episode talking about um, talking about what eggnog is and uh, what nog is to start with, and uh, all of the different variations uh, thereof. So, hopefully, however you enjoy it, you do enjoy um, your eggnog and the holidays. And so, this is Food Science by the Fireside signing off. May all your eggnog be topped with grated nutmeg. If you'd like to find out more about our podcast, Wolfing Down Food Science, please check us out at wolfingdownfoodscience.buzzsprout.com, where you can find our show notes and email address. You can find out more about NC State, our department, and FS201, the amazing course that has brought us all together, on our website as well. Please don't forget to subscribe to Wolfing Down Food Science wherever you stream your podcasts like Spotify and iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Wolfing Down Food Science. See you next time.
Okay, okay, here we go. Took a giant glass of heavily alcohol uh, and knock. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to Fireside. Uh, we're, we're here with uh, <laughs> Teresa and Paige and enjoy some wonderful eggnog. 